Oh, from Brooklyn, New York. It's the Any Given Thursday podcast. Um, and we're actually here today with something a little special. Um, we are returning to our club spotlight series. Um, and today we'll be talking about um, the, the darlings of European football so far this season of the European competitions of the Conference League. Um, but also the champions and Europa League qualifying. Um, that is Key Klaxvik. And uh, we have co-host, co-producer, co-lead. Co-founder. Co-founder. Not uh, co-editor. Co-podcast runner, not co-editor. That's all uh, David Bloomquist, who will be walking us through um, Key's origins, their identity as a club, um, and all good things Faroese. Yeah. So take it away, Bloomquist. All right. Yeah, we figured Key would be Key Klocksvik. I'm going to switch between both of them because I'll get tired of saying Klocksvik and tired of saying Key throughout this. So don't get offended if you're from Klocksvik and you're like, you shouldn't use our short acronym in that sense. It's okay. Trust me. But we figured this would be a great place to start because they have been talked about a fair bit, but it's hard to get like a real deep dive on like the history of the team within the context of them making this run. And, you know, it's also a great team to go look off and see interviews and match highlights for. So it's figured like the perfect place to start now that they've fallen out of the Champions League into our competitions. But to kind of set the stage, let me take you guys back to 2019. And that's a long time ago. Yeah, it is. It's like a whole four years ago. That's crazy. Yeah. Klocksvik captain, Jakob Andresen, is standing forlorn on the sideline at the Aviva Stadium after playing in front of the largest crowd of his career. And he, they'd come so close. And he said, he's given an interview. He says, we're not there yet, but we will go after a chance. It's quite unrealistic when you think about a Faroese team in the group stage. It would have been a fulfilled dream for us. Now, four years later, Jakob is still captain of Klocksvik. And oh. He gets to fulfill that dream. Realized. How old is he? He is uh, kind of old. I think he was early thirties. I don't have the roster up, so I don't want to. So old. I don't want to lie about his exact age. So old. But now he gets to captain his team into European group stage after 2019. They'd fallen at the final hurdle against Dundalk in the Europa League playoffs. Oh, it was Dundalk. It was Dundalk. Oh. Yeah. Um, and he'd been a local kid. You know, he'd come through the Faroe Islands and a country of only uh, like five, sorry, 55,000 people. You're saying 5,000 people. Some no, yeah, yeah. Shit. 5, some people, Gibraltar shit. And that's clock space, yeah. 5,000 yeah. itself. But the country is only 55,000 people <laughs> situated about halfway between Scotland and Iceland. They do have 70,000 sheep, but sheep don't count for the census. So that makes them the fourth smallest UEFA member out of only Liechtenstein, Gibraltar, and San Marino. Wow. There's 18 islands. Seven of them have fewer than 40 people on them, though. So they don't really count. And uh, clock. You want to say, I live in the neighborhood of Park Slope, mm-hmm. as does David. We yes. live together. The yeah. the, uh, the pop- total population of Park Slope is just a little bit under that of Faroe Islands. Yeah. So. And no team context, from Park Slope has ever made a group stage. That's true. The Europa League. Not yet. Not yet. Wait till our five asides go. Uh, yeah. Get together. So the main center in the Fair Islands is Torshvan, mm-hmm. 21,000 people. Clocksvik is the second biggest with 5,000. 
So it kind of puts in context, just like how small these places are. Uh, and also just to add more context to what the Faroe Islands are, because I don't think a lot of people know about the Faroe Islands. No, anything about it. Anything about and it. And it even exists probably in many yeah. cases. I, uh, I remember when I was, when they clinched a group stage appearance, when Clocksbit clinched a group stage appearance, I texted my girlfriend. I was like, so we have to go to the Faroe Islands now, watch a group stage game. She was like, what is that? <laughs> what is that? Like, is that in the Caribbean? I just said, what is group stage games? Yeah. <laughs> just said, what is soccer? What is soccer? And I told her that there are lots of birds in the Faroe Islands, and she was suddenly on board. But there... Man, I'm surprised your girlfriend lets you go look at other birds. Yeah. That was, that was a, a good joke. joke. It was a good joke. It was a woman joke. Yeah. You like that one? Yeah. But the Faroe Islands are not their own country, so that's part of why people don't know that they exist. They're an autonomous territory within the Kingdom of Denmark. Mm. Uh, so it kind of is similar to like Gibraltar in that sense is that they're a very small, somewhat overseas protectorate of a larger kingdom, this case, Denmark. Uh, they did one time have a referendum and voted for independence in 1946. But uh, the Danish king was like, no. <laughs> uh, it did lead to more home rule. So that's kind of how they are able to be a UEFA member is because they have way too valuable a property to exactly. give up. You cannot... I think it I think it gives them rights to some of the oil in uh, the Atlantic. Yeah, okay. I was gonna be like, yeah, uh, the GDP of the, the sheep led GDP. Yeah. Probably not really helping with their total economic output. But yeah. Well, they do have a few other claims to fame outside of their football, football inability. Uh controversially, it's one of the capitals for whaling globally. Oh, no. <laughs> um and they also have a I didn't know there were any capitals for whaling in the Atlantic. I figured it was all yeah, dude. like the Japanese, the North Atlantic, they because uh, they all like that's how they lived for thousands of years, mm-hmm. you know, before we were like, hey, that's there are not a lot of whales left. We should probably stop torturing them and killing them. Mm-hmm. But this was like how they survived on these islands historically was by getting mostly sperm whale, but like getting them to come to shore and then beaching and eating for days, days, weeks, years, maybe. I don't know how much meat is on a whale. I have no concept of that. A lot of sperm on those whales. Mm-hmm. In the whales, too. In the whales, all over yeah. the whales. Yeah, they're also famous for their wildlife. So mostly their avian wildlife, the birds, lots of cool birds up there, like puffins. But then their livestock is all like its own species because they've been isolated for so long. So they don't really. Have, yeah, they have their own versions of sheep and really? like rabbits and stuff. Yeah. Sheep. Everything is like a Faroese normal Different farm animal. Yeah. Wow. So I think that's kind of cool. But Clocksvik itself is the called the fishing capital of the Faroes. It's a proper working class town. <laughs> and they take their football very, very seriously. Kids are brought into the beautiful game at a young age, right? The Faroe Islands has 168 UEFA licensed coaches, which does not sound like a lot, but that puts it at like one per 300 inhabitants. Yeah, that was kind of the deal with uh, on a little bit larger scale with Iceland when they had mm-hmm. their renaissance in the yeah. in the past decade um you know they've had their struggle a little bit now but the but yeah they had that same sort of thing where they were building infrastructure and getting coaches registered mm-hmm. and like just to put in context what one in 300 inhab- inhabitants kind of puts them at england has one for every one hundred sixty-five thousand people mm-hmm. so and england has a pretty good amount of coaches i think they have the most in europe mm-hmm. so like that just puts like almost everybody knows like the ins and outs of the game in the Faroe Islands. Like they're really passionate about it. Uh, kids will be playing up until like midnight in the summer because the sun is up so late. 
And they just come home, go to bed, go to school, go play football for six hours, go to bed, go to school, repeat, repeat, like repeat. a good life, except for the school bit. Yeah. Uh, and it like kind of transcends just being a game. Uh, one journalist was talking about what it meant when they were making their run back in the 2019-2020 Champions League qualifiers. He said, when Klaxvik win, the work goes quickly and well in the local fish factory. If the team loses, the work rate is worse. <laughs> uh, and I also love that he used the term work rate, you yeah. know, connecting it to the sport. Uh, and one last thing to put in context. Klaxvik played B36 in the title decider also in 2019 on the last day of the week of the season. 70% of the population of Klaxvik was at the game. Wild. So it's just like. How much does that stadium hold? Uh, that was the national stadium. Oh, that so national. that they're their own different? stadium. Yes. Where is the national stadium? National stadium is in Torchmon. Uh, that's what they're using for qualifiers and everything. It's about fifty five hundred hmm. people. Their stadium is only like six hundred. Okay. So it doesn't meet UEFA regulations to host events. So they have to play at the national stadium. Hmm. Uh, we should at some point just go on Twitter and post pictures of all the Fairway stadiums. There's twenty six, like stadiums. Mm-hmm. Some more than I would have guessed. Mm-hmm. Well, each island has at least one. Oh, that makes right? sense. Yeah. And all of them are gorgeous. Mm. Like they're small, but they all overlook like beautiful landscape and like yeah. windswept sides of the islands. It's gorgeous. But to get back to more like the history of the team and soccer in the Faroe Islands, the league itself started in the 1940s, but a lot of the teams predate the league. Yeah. Uh, Klaxvik were founded in the early 1900s, but TB Torchman is the oldest team. They're founded in 1892. So that's before Chelsea, Bayern, Juventus, Porto, Real Madrid. Like a lot of these teams are really old and have a lot of history just on a, you know, in a smaller context and a smaller pond than mm-hmm. the big teams. Uh, six of the islands are represented in the Fairways Top League, which again founded in 1942. But its current iteration kind of took place in 2005, where they switched to the full 10 teams semi pro league with two promotion and relegation spots. Uh, they came into the season sitting 44th in the coefficient table, which was one of their highest spots all time. They only got UEFA membership in 1992. So before then, the league was just like played amongst themselves. You couldn't qualify for Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1992, they were finally allowed to was qualify it professional for still or was it like semi-pro it was like semi-pro mostly amateur uh-huh. it's still semi-pro mm-hmm. so most of the players have full-time jobs which i just I'll looked up a, a yeah i just bit. looked it up on a was trying to find what their wages would be mm-hmm. and there's a guardian article from 2016 that said a top import from outside of the faroe islands can make around six thousand a month with a car and housing thrown in other players earn closer to three thousand mm-hmm. so i mean that's not a ton of money. I suppose I, I bet doubt cost of living is that high in Faroe Island. So no, that sounds like you could probably sustain yourself on that. Yeah, a couple of them are just players, but yeah. most of the guys, especially and that's most 2016 of the, too. So they, it's probably yeah. a little. A lot of their salaries also now tied to bonuses, mm-hmm. right? So sure. you don't you get bonuses for winning the league, winning cup matches, and mm-hmm. progressing in Europe. Mm-hmm. So you know it means you kind of want to make sure you have another steady job, and then when the bonus comes, you're able mm-hmm. to put that toward you know the future and maybe you can quit your job for a little bit or switch to part-time sure but yeah uh clocks are obviously like i think right now the highest paying team in yeah. the league as there, well. and they don't coach? have a lot of imports what's the magna hosa okay the in 2016 that guy who was their coach yeah apparently uh 
was the police chief of narcotics for 15 years before <laughs> becoming the full-time football yeah. coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Their uh, captain. And uh, he's that an that you can't just have one occupation in the Ferris. <laughs> yeah. So their, their captain saying. is an electrician. Okay. So like, that's awesome. Yeah. A lot of guys work in the fish markets and things like that. Yeah. Um, Clocksvik are obviously getting recognized now as the biggest team in the Faroe Islands. And financially, they are such. Mm-hmm. Right now, they've done a great job of really steadying their paychecks and you know, doing smart economic moves and sponsorship deals. But historically, they are obviously one of the biggest teams as well. So they have 20 league titles. That's only behind HB Torchman, who have 24. Uh, but they're actually it's a relatively competitive competition. There have been 13 mm-hmm. different winners of the top flight. So that's more than the teams in the top flight. Interesting. And B36 also out of Torchmont have yeah. double digit titles as well. Mm-hmm. And they're probably the biggest competition the biggest right rival, now right? for Clocksvik. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we'll start focusing more on Clocksvik and less on the league now. Mm-hmm. So Clocksvik founded in 1904, uh, no official league till 1942. So we don't really know what they were up to mm-hmm. in those 38 years. But they won the very first top play competition. So I think it's safe to assume that they were one of the better teams in those early years. Uh, and they had to wait only two years till their next title. So first TB Torchman won and then the British occupied the island. So nobody won. <laughs> There's no fun allowed when the Brits are in town. That's a bummer. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Coxvick really quickly racked up titles. By 1970, they'd already accumulated 14 titles, nine more than any other side in the Faroe Islands. Mm. Uh, but obviously, like I said, the Faroe Islands was not a UEFA member yeah. then. So no one outside the island knew about this team. Mm-hmm. And talking at that time, almost exclusively amateurs, maybe a couple guys on like appearance bonuses or bonuses for winning or scoring goals, things like that. Uh, but 1992, they became the first Faroe side to participate in Europe as well, just point blank. They won the league the year before, get to go into Europe right away. They were drawn against Latvian side Skonto, who uh, kicked their ass, you know, tough as you would expect. Uh, Klaxvik would show up a couple more times in the 90s, early 2000s. They managed to get one victory, which was a 3-2 upset of Maccabi Haifa oh, wow. in the Cup Winners' Cup of 95-96. That's a pretty big, uh, it's a pretty good upset, yeah. Yeah, it's a really big scalp, right? But um, on the return leg, the Israeli team won 6-1. Ah. So, <laughs> uh, they did not advance. It's that home, that home advantage that they seem to be developing. Yeah. In, uh, the, in these competitions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and kind of throughout the 90s, Clocksvik's kind of grip as being the biggest team in the Faroe Islands kind of slipped a little bit as other teams were able to get finances to compete with them by making these odd appearances in Europe. Uh, but they really, really pushed and invested toward the end of the century. 1999 was one of the best seasons in club history. They did a domestic double uh, to cap off the 1900s and solidify themselves as the most successful team in league history. 2000s were not as nice for them. So uh, they really started struggling. They kind of slipped down the table were more of a mid-table side through most of the 2000s. And HB in 2004 passed them as the most successful team. Uh, and just when see- things seemed like they could not get any worse, a rain cloud formed above the club, which shouldn't be surprising for them. Barrow Islands, yeah. Rains 300 days a year there. <laughs> <laughs> There's lots of rain. Uh, in 2009, a mere decade after 
the domestic double a high point for the club. They suffered their first ever relegation. Oh, I can't believe there's even enough teams for relegation. That's crazy. yeah. There's actually, I believe there were four tiers. Wow. In the Faroe Islands, and obviously outside the first, it's almost exclusively amateur players sure. and like local kids. Is right? that like but... forty teams worth of? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I have yeah. forty teams. They're so passionate about it's like sport. every like... single person is a per- is a semi professional footballer. Yeah, it really like. It honestly, I was watching a video about it, and mm-hmm. it was about one of the players who came from the Faroe Islands and then moved to the Bundesliga eventually. He was playing for, oh my God, I'm blanking on the team. They're in the second Bundesliga right now, the two Bundesliga. Who are you? There's a Faroe East player in the two Bundesliga. Oh. And he was talking, giving an interview about what it was like growing up in the Faroe Islands. He was like, we had to, like, everybody had to be on school teams. You had to force everybody to play because otherwise mm-hmm. you wouldn't have enough guys. Yeah, I just did right, some so- quick some quick math if there are 40 teams mm-hmm. like 10 teams a division and let's say 20 players on a team or whatever that's 800 mm-hmm. players out of fifty thousand. yeah who have to be the right age bracket yes yeah, so you're talking um, like 25 percent of the population that's in the age bracket oh no yeah. more than that because only men is men's leagues so like he has a women's team, don't they? They do, but I, I was yeah. I don't know how many tiers there Probably are. Probably not many. many yeah. There are, yeah. Let's, let's but you're talking like forty to fifty percent of the male population in that age range yeah. <laughs> being involved in the sport at like yeah. some level, which is crazy. Uh, but yeah, 2009 they go down, they get relegated, but that might have been like the push they needed. Sometimes teams go down, it spurs them on, mm-hmm. right? They had to kind of think about what they were doing both on and off the pitch. And they reached out to Alexander Dordovich, who first year they come right back into the Premier League and he pushes them immediately into a top half finish. Key uh, women are dominating the women's league. Yeah. Eight teams in the eight women's teams league. Eight teams in the division. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is just the top flight. Yeah. They're currently 15 points clear of anybody else. It looks like some teams. It's like most of the big teams have a women's team. HB, yeah. B36, and Vikinger. Looks like teams. some of the smaller teams combined mm, to yeah, form women's yeah. teams, which is interesting. Yeah. I wonder if there's just eight teams or if there's another league also. There might be another league maybe without relegation if it's uh-huh. amateur or something. Yeah. Anyway. But, interesting. but yeah, so the appointment of Dordovich. And Klaxvik, they get promoted. They come top half right away. First year back, they're right back competing near the top of the mm-hmm. division. That's because he made them the most potent team in the Faroe Islands. Mm-hmm. And they were blowing teams away. They were scoring goals for fun. They're also conceding their fair share. He was very much like an Italiano type mm-hmm. of coach. Like all, all attack all the time. Yeah. Trying to outscore the opponent, not trying to stop them from scoring. Um, this worked for a while, but... Teams eventually adjusted, and their third season back in the top fight, they they came eighth, so they just barely avoided relegation, snuck through, uh, and that was kind of the end of the Dordovich mm-hmm. era. So they switched around. They were looking for somebody else. They found Mikael Thomason, who was the manager that you'd mentioned, who'd been the narcotics chief. Yeah. That was Mikael Thomason, who came in in 2015, and he had lofty expectations. He's a Faroese native come from B36 a few years ago. He'd managed them uh, part-time. And he had championship experience. Like, he'd won the Faroese top flight. he won the cup. He knew how to win. And he was like, "I'm. we're going to be winning this league. Hell yeah, they are. Uh, 2016, they came in second place. But they also won the cup. Wow. So they were finally, they were getting some silverware. And, you know, it took a little, it took a few years to catch up to B36, HB, TV, 
and to pass them. But 2019, they finally recaptured the league title 20 years after their last one. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize it had been so long. They went so, through such a long, winless period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it had been kind of rough going for them for a while. Yeah. Uh, but that qualified them for the next Champions League, right? Which no Fairleys team ever does anything in Champions League nope. or Europe, right? They go in, they get eliminated. First round. They, yeah, second first round. round, second round of Europa League, they're gone, yeah. right? They get two game, two ties, and they come back home. Well, it started with, this was an interesting year, right? This was the COVID year, so all the qualifiers were one leg. Mm. And it's a little bit of like, the silver lining for that for key was first round they're supposed to face Slovan Bratislava, who we'll actually be talking team. about frequent champions later. Yeah, we'll talk about them later in the episode because mm. ties back to their current. Mm. Uh, but Slovan couldn't get onto the island because COVID swept through the teams, swept through yeah. the team, and they were forced to forfeit the ties. They had that 15 sucks. players with COVID. They that couldn't sucks. field a team. That's most of the island. Yeah, most of the. Sloven. Oh, in Sloven. Oh. Yeah. So Sloven Bratislava was forced to uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. to forfeit the tie, which is yeah. it's a shame for fairly seem not to be able to welcome in like a pretty high quality opponent. Mm-hmm. But it did get them through the next round where That's they were points. drawn with young boys. And this time they had to go to Switzerland. And everyone's like, okay, this will be like eight, nine, nothing, right? This will be yeah. a demolition. Young boys have been dominant in the Swiss League the last mm-hmm. 10 years. Yeah. And they fairly's like they lost the game. Right. Mm-hmm. But all those fans that turned up to see a car crash at a football game were left with like a little bit of awe of this fairly team. It was a really strong performance for them. Took an 84th minute goal from Young Boys to seal the game, put it 3 1 to them. So the fairly team was in it the whole time, right? Clockswick were right there. Uh, so they dropped down to the Europa League and they're drawn with another pretty tough team. Former Cup winners, Cup winners, 17 time Georgian champions, Dinamo Tbilisi. Very famous, uh, very famous team. I mean, they were one of the biggest teams in the Soviet Union when yeah. that was a league, and yeah, they won the Soviet League very frequently in that yeah. period when the when the Soviets were probably the peak of Soviet football from yeah. an international standpoint, at least. Absolutely, and obviously now they're in Georgia, an independent country, and it's a little different. But this is still a yeah, they don't really much bigger. It's a fully professional team, sure, right? <laughs> um, which kind of sets the standard for what key were expecting, right? They were supposed to lose this yeah. game as well. Uh, it did not go the way the Georgians thought it would. It would. They had to travel all the way to the Faroe Islands, you know, long trip. And key used that, like, maybe tired legs, a little jet lag going on. They got an early goal from Pavlovich, who's still at the club. Yeah. Uh, take, took a one nothing lead. And the second half, they poured it on. Hell yeah, they did. They won the game 6-1. Hell yeah, they did. Right. Dominating Tbilisi. Uh, that made them the first Faroese team to reach the Europa League playoffs, which, again, not a feat that was matched until this year's team did it. And they were drawn against Irish side Dundalk. And suddenly the uh, group stage looked like it might be in reach. You know, Dundalk probably not considered as big a team as Dino Tbilisi. He thought, mm, we might have a chance. Uh, Siganur Einerson was a local sports writer and he said it was the biggest game in the country's history wow. by far. Wow. Uh, it was played at Aviva Stadium in Dublin with a capacity more than 100 times that of Clocksvik's normal home stadium. Wow. Aviva Stadium is really big. And, uh, well, it was again, you know, another competitive game for Clocksvik. They just couldn't get over the line and they faltered. They fell two to one. Ah. Right. Uh, Thomasin. 
would eventually a couple years later leave the club. He went went to and is now still at Frederikstad in the Norwegian second division. And he currently has him in first place oh, of the wow. second division, seeking their first promotion back up to the top place since 2012. So what a mensch. Yeah, he seems like he's got a brain on him. What a mensch. Yeah. No longer chief narcotics. <laughs> um, so jumping ahead to this year's run, they qualified obviously for the Champions League for uh 2022, 2023. Uh last year, I guess I'm not going to this year's run, the year before. Mm. They qualified for the Champions League and got Bodo Glimt, who are a tough opponent, right? Yeah. That dropped down in the conference league where they won one game, but then bowed out to last year's Cinderella's the conference league, Balkani, who were the first coastman team in the group stage. Yeah. And are back in the group stage this year. Yeah. So, you know, they're that's a tough team, right? That's not an embarrassing loss. But this year it looked like it might get similarly unlucky. They drew like one of one of the most historic teams in Europe, honestly. Like Ferenc Barosh, the Hungarian champions, lots of pedigree. They're always playing in Europe. They have made it all the way. They've played in, I think, four European finals mm-hmm. in their history. Like this is a really big team. And I was like, all right, Key will be in the conference league group, conference league qualifiers, whatever. Ferenc Barosh are going to walk through them. Uh, first leg, Fradi, the, the Hungarian team, they struggled. Their long road trip and they looked pretty bad. I remember watching the highlights of this and being like, wow, yeah, Frank Barros just don't look ready for this season, right? There's a nil-nil draw. You're like, okay, going back to Hungary, Frank Barros will take it. And they seem to believe that themselves. They said they tweeted out after the draw for the second round. The Swedish champions await us in the next round because it is certain we are going through. Did they really? They did. Oh, no. They did. That's so uh, embarrassing. Yeah, so as Max implied, that tweet did not age well. Oh, no. Foxvik uh, did not take long to establish themselves in the second leg. They tested the goal early, drawing a penalty in the sixth minute, which was very neatly put away. And uh, I remember watching this and being like, okay, sixth minute. Yeah. I'm not going to let myself get excited yet. Yeah, like... All right, Ferenc Barros will play themselves back into this game. Uh, 32nd minute, Ferenc Barros were playing the ball at the back, and they seem to kind of fall asleep. It's a really bad pass, and Klaxvik pounced on it. Some beautiful passing leads to Fredericksburg, the Fredericksburg their winger. Easy tap in, 2 nothing. And that was, I think I texted you after that goal, and I was like, yo, you oh, see shit. what's happening? Yeah, hungry. <laughs> um, and then right before halftime, they added what will probably be the most famous goal in Fairway's history. For a club team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luke Kasi, one of the few foreigners on the team, he had recently joined from Stabæk in Norway. I think this was one of his first games for the club. He was kind of a cult hero at Stabæk. Spent a decade there. So a lot of players moved from Norway to Faroe Islands when they kind of like get a little older and still want to keep playing at somewhat of a level. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of the few guys that doesn't have another job because he you know, amassed some wealth playing for Stabæk. Sure. But he gets the ball after they catch... Frank Barros playing way, way, way too high of a line. They're all in the other half, right? Uh, Kasi gets the ball, and he just goes for goal right away. Uh, goalkeeper was off his line, but it's not really the most well-hit ball. Mm-hmm. And the goalkeeper is running back. He should have a pretty easy, but he slips. And he's able to get, like, a hand on the ball, but it just really slowly trickles back into the <laughs> bottom left corner. Like, it barely crosses the line Hilarious. into the bottom left corner. Uh, it's just like, you know. He saw an opportunity, he took it, and it's like sometimes you just gotta test the goalkeeper. Yeah. It was no Rudy. No. Rudy. But he forced him to make a forced him into making a mistake, really. And uh put him up three-nothing. Ferenc Barros showed absolutely nothing in the second half, and Clocksvik pulled off one of the biggest upsets 
in European history. Pretty wild. Uh, that set them up for a little Scandinavian derby against BK Hawken, where once again, first legs in the Faroe Islands, mm-hmm. a nil-nil. They're hard to score against at home. Yeah. Uh, well, it's a tough away trip to make. It, it's a it, hard it's fucking hard place to, to get, get to. to. <laughs> really hard place to get to. Uh, and, you know, the Swedish side says, hey, you know what the uh, Hungarians did that worked really well for them last time? They we, they tweeted after the first look that they were going to win the second. We should try that. No way. They, and they tweeted did. out, now we will secure the victory at home next week. That's a little better than the it other is, one. You know, yeah. A step in the right direction. Yeah. But not far enough. Because once again, that tweet aged really, really poorly. Right. Fredericksburg Hocken won the league last year. Yeah. Yes. Defending Swedish champions. Yeah. Uh Fredericksburg put up a brace in regulation to help Klocksvik fight for a two-two results mm-hmm. and take it to extra time. Our Hawken, they grabbed the lead right before the extra time break through Sadiq, who we talked about a little bit in uh one of our reaction episodes about him moving yeah and how Hawken might struggle without him there because he was really their only saving grace against this Klocksvik team it's the only one who's able to do anything but Klocksvik went on the attack they forced an own goal in the 109th minute send the game to penalties that's when goalkeeper Niels Jonathan Johansson came up big and helped Klocksvik to victory 4-3 on penalties uh and I named him because his story is pretty incredible he was playing in uh, Norway and just kind of like felt himself losing the desire to be a full-time professional soccer player in 2021. So he retired. Mm. Uh, he'd been up, you know, in like the second tier at the time when he retired and he definitely missed playing the game. And he signed up for a local amateur side, Majorstlan FK as a center back. <laughs> Want to play center back. Uh and meanwhile, over the summer, Klocksvik had a little bit of an injury crisis, right? Their goalie went out, and Magna Josef, their manager, had played with Johansson in 2016-17. So he said, hmm, remember that guy? He was solid. You know, I wonder if he's still playing. I wonder what he's doing. Let me call him up, see if he's available to come over. And so he called him up. He said, uh, hey, Niels, you want to come play backup goalkeeper for my team from the Faroe Islands? We won't pay you very much. But we get to hang out all the time. I'll buy you a buy you a beer. And uh Johansson agreed, but he cautioned Jose. Said, I told Magna I hadn't defended. You were you about to do an action? I was about there? to do an action. <laughs> I come across really offensively. And <laughs> you got like halfway through the word. I told Magna that I hadn't defended, he means played in goal mm-hmm. in two years, but he believed in me and trusted that my routine would be enough. Uh Johan Niels showed up and after only a couple days, he was suddenly the starter mm-hmm. because their new goalkeeper sucks. No, he got hurt. Oh. <laughs> uh so now he's just kind of thrown to the deep end and he's playing in the Champions League in goal against facing penalties against the Swedish champions. Yeah, against multiple champions. Yeah. Of, uh, of their European leagues. Yeah, kind of crazy. The, I bet he's good with the ball at his feet if he was a center back. Yeah, probably relatively. better than Ray Patricio. <laughs> yeah. Uh, might be better than Donnarumma, too. For sure. Yeah. Uh, but that win against Hawken is what assured that Klocksvik would be, at minimum, in a conference league group stage, where, obviously, they are now. So yeah. you and can kind of tell what's going to come in the next couple games. It's a pretty incredible thing to not just make it because of sort of lucky draws and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, to actually beat two legit champions who are going to be competitive in these various competitions mm-hmm. themselves in the group stage yeah it's all, like kind of amazing 
every single team that they played in this run is still in a group stage. Yeah. So like Floxvik are the reason that some of these teams aren't in like the potentially in the Champions League. Yeah. Like I don't think although I Pocket think at the end of the good. run it was Galatasaray. Hmm. So like it would have been hard. Yeah. No, I don't think I for any of them, it, but Pocket definitely wouldn't have made. You know, it. I think in the first round. I, you very easily could sit there and tell me beforehand that Frank Barros were the best team in the yeah. preliminary round. Sure. Like, there's a couple other teams at that level, like Maccabi Heifler are there, Sheriff Tiraspol are there, but mm-hmm. Frank Barros are definitely one of the best teams that they could have drawn. And then the second round, like, they draw the Swedish champions. It's not it's not some, like, smaller country that's similar to the Faroe Islands. They didn't draw Zrinski. They did not draw Zrinski or... Yeah, well, they did draw Olympia, or Zalgris. but substantially later yeah. in the process. <laughs> um, I do kind of wish that they'd drawn Astana, because that would have been a really fun away day. That would have been the ultimate European journey. Thing, yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably as far as you could go. Well, actually, Iceland. I was going to say, yeah. there's Iceland got drawn, uh, Breda Blick got drawn with mm-hmm. Maccabi Haifa or Maccabi Tel Aviv. Uh, yeah, that's pretty yeah. far. And that's, that's right. That's over right. 5,000 kilometers. That's pretty far. Yeah, I think Astana to Iceland would be the farthest Farthest. you could possibly go in the competition. Yeah, absolutely. That has to be. But this would be probably second, yeah. right? Um, but Hocken, substantial must maybe. Yeah. To Astana. Um, Hocken, after Hocken, they were drawn against Molda. So another Scandinavian derby. Like, this is another champ. champ another, yeah. yeah, the Norwegian champion. And they get a lot of their foreign players come from. Norwegian lower leagues mm-hmm. and like semi-pro players from Norway. Mm-hmm. So it is kind of crazy that they're drawn against the Norwegian champions. Yeah. And have to play that really exciting caliber. football. They uh I was just watching a video about how about their tactics. Mm-hmm. Pretty exciting. Yeah. Get yeah, we'll that. have a we'll, we'll get, get to that, that later when we yeah, we'll have a little bit of time. Yeah. Once we get later, we'll have like the whole like, oh, what can we expect from them in the group stage and mm-hmm. how they play and everything. Um, so they're drawn against Molda. Uh, the first legs capped off by yet another Fredericksburg brace. That man cannot stop scoring in the ch- Champions League. He's full of braces. Uh, they did concede one. It's the first time they conceded at home all tournament. Mm. And uh, they took a 2-1 lead to Norway, which is really impressive. To be able to beat Molda is absolutely crazy for this team. But second leg, they lose one nothing in regulation and go to extra time, which... I think some tired legs maybe for this uh Clocksvik team and they were not able to keep Molda out. Molda scored in the 116th. Ugh, so bringing close. Fair Islands, uh bringing Clocksvik's Champions League run so to an end. Yeah. But they dropped down to the Europa League. They're matched up with Sheriff Tiraspol, literally like all the way across Europe. We were yeah. another winnable one. Yeah, definitely expected like expected to be competitive. I think yeah. still underdogs in this competition, but mm-hmm. You know, we were talking about like Astana so far. Sheriff is almost as far as you can get for them. Like it's one of the furthest trips Clocksvik could have had. And Sheriff were also famous for their own Cinderella story in 2021. First Moldovan side to reach the Champions League group stage, won a game against Real Madrid. At the Bernabeu. You know, at the Bernabeu, yeah. So you're thinking like in one sense, it's kind of a matchup of two similar sides and that they both are like champions of small countries and able to vastly overperform their financial means and the expectations coming from that country but they do so in such different manners yeah sheriff is pretty well financially set up being owned by a literal corporation you know? yeah but that corporation yeah. is 
fairly like it's in Tira school, right? Yeah, like they own everything in, in Tira school. school. Yeah. <laughs> in Transnistria, they own like yes. the entire but you compare them to like yeah. you know, the teams that they've been mm -hmm. able to beat, they're financially way behind. They're way ahead of Foxvic, mm -hmm. but they're way behind some of the other teams that they've beaten. Uh Sheriff though, they just like take such different approaches. Sheriff have three Moldovan players mm -hmm. on the entire squad. Right. Yeah, they love their Brazilians and shit. Yeah, they love bringing in players from Africa and South America who can get yeah. a foothold in Europe and use that as a stepping stone. Yeah. Well, Klaxvik have 21 Faroese players on their squad. Out of how many? 24? About 30. 30, that's 30 players on them? Yeah, they have a pretty bloated squad. Because, uh, I mean, they're playing two competitions, yeah, right? Yeah, and, yeah, sure. and the Cups and sure. everything. Um, But even within the Faroese Islands, Klaxvik are well-known for being great at developing talent and using that to foster like a unified team identity and culture to help them win. That's kind of what has propelled them to be one of the top teams again is focusing on, you know, using players from Clocksmith and from their quote unquote Academy. Right. But after one, one in Torshvan. So if you're keeping track, that means through all the qualifiers, they've not lost at home. Mm. Uh, in Moldova, a 74th minute goal from Zahori, who was actually one of the players we really liked last year. One of the few returners on Sheriff's team, their right back of all people. He saw Moldovan side through and Klaxvik fell down to the conference league. So kind of mixed feelings for the team because on one hand, you're like, they were so close. Yeah. They easily could have been in the Europa. If they had won either of those two of the last two draws That's they had, they would have been in the groups yeah. in the Europa League. But yeah, but. So would they have been able to compete in those mm -hmm. groups? Yeah, I mean, they. I think the. I think all of their home legs would still be somewhat competitive a nightmare for yeah. the other teams. But I, you know, they went from having pretty. They would have had no chance to go through, really, realistically. Yeah, and now you're in a conference league. You're going to get yeah. the finances, which are huge. You can't finish and third though, which is yeah. You can't finish third and drop yeah. out. Yeah, but you know, I mean, I think for the. Conference League, though, is still super exciting for this club because it's mm -hmm. you still get relatively big teams. Mm -hmm. You have a chance to win some games, especially at home. Yeah, they drew Beal, which is a, huge, a really huge big team. Yeah, them, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a perfect time to start talking about their Conference League group, I think. Yeah. So they obviously dropped down the Conference League. They're in pot four, you know, because they don't really have a ton no of shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, they're hoping to draw at least like one team from a big league, right? You have Fiorentina, Aston Villa, Frankfurt, a couple other really big ones. And they didn't get any of the biggest opponents. No. But they did draw Lille. Yeah. Right. Lille from Ligue 1, France, you know, one of the bigger teams. Not a super historic club on the level of like an Aston Villa or Fiorentina would but, be. But you know, recent champions of France. They, yeah, they won a couple of years they're ago. They're probably what the fifth most fifth biggest club in the competition. The yeah, I would say at least after right? Fiorentina, Villa, Fenerbahce, Frankfurt. Azed might be bigger, yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, Besiktas might actually be bigger, just like <laughs> yeah. financially, historically. Lille is Lille is a top five. Lille is definitely one of the big. Like, yeah. they still get to class themselves as a big team. In Champions in France. Yeah, and they're led by Canadian superstar, superstar Jonathan David. Yeah, and he, they they barely even got in through the playoff round of the conference yeah. league because they had a <laughs> tough a tough qualifying. Um, yeah. Where, I don't remember where they were, but they were playing in um Croatia, Hajduk Split, I believe. No, it wasn't Hajduk Split. It was, was it not? Oh, Rijeka. 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 Yeah, yes, yeah. thank you. Um, I knew it was one of those Croatian sets oh, that of... wasn't Zagreb. Yeah, and they barely got through with a Jonathan David late winner in extra time. Actually, yeah. So. And Jonathan David himself is valued higher than the entire Clockwork side. <laughs> like that's not really that surprising. Mm -hmm. 
But man, that just kind of like yeah, Jonathan David could go for like forty million somewhere. Yeah, or I mean more. there were rumors around like some people attaching seventy million euro yeah. price tags to him, and yeah. I don't think they'll get that. Fifty is realistic. Fifty is very realistic, and you could probably buy clocks. I'm actually there. surprised he's still there. Me too, but we won't get into that too much right now. Maybe that will be next episode mm-hmm. when we're doing our group stage previews. Mm-hmm. But Lille, you know, not a traditional power, but they do still have big stars that will have that the people in the Fairlands are going to get to see play. Like Samuel Titty of Lecce fame is there. Uh, I can't. He is? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. I thought he was still on Lecce. No, no, he, uh, left, he uh, was only on loan and they couldn't make a deal work. Oh, my Barcelona. God. I did not actually know that. Yeah. Uh, Nabil Bentaleb, one of uh, the former biggest wonder kids in the world when he was at Spurs. He's now playing for uh-huh. Lille. So, like, there's some really big almost household names on this Lille side and there's probably a couple other younger players that'll go on to great things as well like they produce so many talented players mm. and the guys in the fairways the fairways people are going to get to see them play in like a small stadium really intimate stadium like they'll be right up next to these guys mm-hmm. it's gonna be cool for them uh also in the group are Sloven Bratislava who as we mentioned were supposed to come to the Fair Islands a few years ago but could not due to the COVID circumstances. And finally, Olympia Ljubljana from Slovenia. So when you're like looking at all these players, all these teams, I, I think you get clocks with a chance. chance. Yeah. Like, I think they might even be better than Olympia, to be honest. I think they are. I, don't, I mean, they've looked better than Olympia. Absolutely. Um, for their sure. results suggest they're better than Olympia. Mm-hmm. Bratislava is going to be tougher, but yeah, they're going to make their, they're going to make their mark on their home fixtures. Like mm-hmm. if they can take, if they can win two games, even if they can beat Bratislava and Ljubljana, then you know they have a chance to finish second. Yeah, if they, they win two games and maybe get a draw on the road. Yeah, like you're talking about if yeah. assuming Lille sweep the the group, yeah. which is most likely to happen. You'd expect so. There's probably going to be a result or two that they drop. Yeah, um, but that away result somewhere. could be a way to could be a way like, to like, that's it's their toughest away fixture. Absolutely. Bratislava is tough too, but mm-hmm. yeah, Bratislava talent wise are better. Better, yeah. But you know, so are Hocken and Ferencvaros and Molda, absolutely, and Sheriff, and none of them could win in the Faroe Absolutely, Island. I would expect all of those teams that I mentioned that they played in qualifiers uh-huh. would have qualified from this group. Mm-hmm. And you know, they've eliminated some of those teams. They could one hundred percent. I think their aim should absolutely be to get six points of nine mm-hmm. from their home fixtures. Yeah, yeah. I think if they get they should, five or they more should. total points yeah. i would say it's a very successful yeah. competition i think they should get a win yeah i agree like so this would be huge for the Faroe islands to yeah. be able to get a win in a group stage like yeah just massive um but while we're previewing their group stage expectations stuff should mention like their play style how they're set up so they're managed by magna Holseth, who took over in 2021 when thomason left it's his first Full managerial job. So he'd been an assistant coach oh, yeah. somewhere before, but now he's first full-time manager. He was a midfielder for Norway. He's doing okay. Yeah. He was an international midfielder for Norway. Played for like 300 games for Molda. You know, so he has a little bit he's of... Some uh, pedigree. He's got some pedigree. He understands what it takes to win. He won four Norwegian titles uh, and obviously knows what it's like to train as a full professional, mm. right? And the expectations that come with that and kind of establishing those within this side, I think is something that people have pointed to is a big difference this time rather than in 2019, 20 when they were managed by a guy who only ever managed any proteins and they were, you know, training that way. Now they've stepped up. They're going to full professional style training, still training at 5 PM 
so that players can uh, finish their day jobs first. <laughs> you know, but it's like there's another level of expectations. That's just, just like out. being on a being on a club team growing up. Yeah. You go to school and you, <laughs> and you go straight to practice. Yeah. I mean, some of the guys are students like mm-hmm. they're in schools. So yeah. And showing up to practice. I've been there. Yeah. Haven't we all? Probably. Probably not everybody. I Maybe not everyone that's listening to this, actually. Probably not everybody. Yeah. But uh, Magna has them lining up in, it's like they line up in like a 5-4-1, but it's also a 3-4-3. Three, three. You know, it gets pretty attacking when they have the ball. And it's a lot, a lot of importance is placed on the ability of the wingers to score goals. So Fredericksburg, Arnie Fredericksburg is a player we highlighted a couple times in this preview. He scored, I think, already six goals in qualifiers. He's one of the stars of the Ferries national team. And obviously... Which are improving a lot, too, partially because of Key's development of local talent. Absolutely. Um, So he's been a big player for them. He's scored most of their goals. And part of that's because they've been the underdog in every matchup, so they've taken a counterattacking approach. Yeah, makes sense. Firm defensively and then exploding forward with vigor and pace. But defensively, like, that midfield line of theirs is incredible. Mm. They, it's so stout. So Hawken had 66% of the ball when they were in the Faroe Islands. They had five shots. Yeah. They held the ball for 60 minutes, an wow. hour with the ball at their feet, and they got five shots. Wow. So they just couldn't get in a position yeah. to get past this uh, midfield four in particular is where mm-hmm. the defensive strength has been. And then, obviously, the back line is really well organized. But, oh, sorry. They're also kind of adept at pressing when they need to. So you don't see it all the time, but when they do, it's really, really aggressive. And they're going at you two players on one. Tactical, yeah. situational pressing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so we saw that, like, the Fer- Frank Barros game, that second goal. Mm-hmm. We saw them, you know, they really pounced on the press. Frank Barros were being really slow coming out of the back all the time, and they saw that. Mm-hmm. And after having sat back most of the game, in the 30th minute, they are like, Picking all right, boom, spots. next time the goalkeeper picks the ball up, we're pressing everybody man on man. He has nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. They have to play it out. They make a mistake. And clocks would go and score. So that's kind of like their defensive shape is they're going to sit back most of the game, but they will hit you with this really, really impressive tactical pressing style. Uh, they also have really strong passing. Mm. Like they are really, really good at playing like mostly in the middle length. So they're not playing super long balls. They're not doing ticky talk of the ball at the field. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a traditional mid mid length pass, mm-hmm. but it seems like everybody knows where everybody is on the field and, they don't need to look up. Uh, Send goal against Frank Ross, another perfect example, right? The ball's over on the wing. So if you go back and watch the goal again, right? The ball's over on the wing after it's turned over. They play one pass, two pass balls right at the center of the box and just a little flick on from the striker there to Fredericksburg and just taps it in. Yeah. Right. So, they, so they're they, pretty technical. They're not just, yeah, like, it's, they're not just hoofers. Yeah. It's not like when you see like a lot of times when, the teams that we love seeing make these like, FA cup runs or yeah. these qualifying runs like Sheriff are a good example of that is like, they just kind of try to be a little physical, draw some fouls for a couple set pieces. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He will beat you just plain football. Like mm-hmm. they're really just, they look like a real organized real team. team. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like they look like they belong like an actual team. Teams. Yeah. Uh, so when you're watching, like look out for kind of that in this group stage and, Definitely. I think that's what sets them up for success against some of the bigger teams, like, mm-hmm. like a Slovan Bratislava or Lille, who are coming in their mindsets like, okay, he's going to sit back, 
and then try to be us on the counter every time. Like, but have to be careful because we can't go near them or they'll flop. And like Foxwick won't do that. They're gonna just play their style of football against you, mm-hmm. which is pretty impressive. Um, do like a quick talk about Fair Islands as a whole, like the league right now, just a little bit before we yeah, close out. Yeah, go for it, man. All right. Uh, so Fair Islands as a league is definitely been growing. And this is kind of the the piece de resistance of that growth, I would say. Uh, Clocksweek aren't the only club to be making deep European runs. B36, uh, one of the other big teams, and we mentioned like probably their biggest rival right now. They made the third qualifying round of the Conference League in back-to-back years now. So they're getting close right there. Yeah, they, they were close this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Hafnar, Boltzbalag, HB, right there, the record title holders in the Fair Leagues. They were also in the third qualifying round of the Conference League a couple of years ago. So it's definitely some steps being made by these teams in comparison to the other countries of their size. Yeah. And you're saying they're in the next 10 years, we could see two Faroese teams in the group stage. I'm just saying it's possible. That's what you're saying. I'm That's what not, it sounds like you're saying. I would not rule it out. Mm-hmm. Uh it's definitely reflected in their co oh, also because yeah, both these teams they start in the conference league qualifiers yeah. as well when they were doing this. So yeah. They're winning two rounds against smaller teams. Sounds like what you're saying is that in 2029, we're going to see a conference league final of B36 and Key Clocksvik. That would be incredible. That sounds like what, that's what you're saying. That would be incredible. And if they don't move that game to Torchmon. No, it should be in Wembley. <laughs> yeah, everything has to be in Wembley now. Sorry, I forgot. See, uh, see if they can get if they can get 10,000 people in that yeah. like 90,000 seat stadium. They will get 55,000 people there. Yeah, it'd be awesome. They would get the, I'd go. Every single person in Faroe Islands would be at that. Yeah, game. I would go. Yeah. Um, there's definitely though, like the growth of the league has been reflecting the coefficient. So the first time they ever posted a coefficient of one point or higher mm-hmm. was 2014, 15. And now in the last five years, three of those years, they posted two points or higher. Whoa. So they, like they were, you know, one of those countries in the preliminary rounds of the mm-hmm. champions league. And, you know, you have to go to yeah. whatever small country and play those other teams and you're eliminated right away. Uh-huh. Yeah. It means they're gonna be shooting up and past some of these some of their these, competition. Yeah, international already risen to 39th. So that's yeah, over teams like Northern Ireland, Luxembourg, Georgia, mm-hmm. like substantially yeah. bigger countries. Yeah. With than, certain histories yeah. and clubs that are used to doing well in mm-hmm. Europe. Yeah. So, so that's just gonna keep happening too. It really will because especially they're gonna accumulate a bunch of points just being in the group stage. So. Yeah, if they can get a couple results, they could definitely pass yeah. some other leagues like Ireland is there to be passed. Mm. Uh, Latvia mm. could definitely be passed. Uh, so a couple other spots, and they could get close to that like thirty second spot where you get an extra team in the Europa League, mm. which could really help yeah. getting two teams in group stages. Uh, national team slightly more mixed results recently. They're currently one hundred twenty ninth. They peaked in twenty sixteen at seventy fourth, following two victories over Greece. Oh, wow. In Europe qualifiers. Pretty embarrassing for Greece. Yeah, yeah that was your Greece was in Europe qualifiers and came like dead last. Yeah, 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 that's tough, dude. Fairies beat them home and away. That's tough. Um, And at the time when they were 74th, they were per capita the best nation in FIFA. <laughs> like the most points accumulated per, per person. person. Per, yeah. per citizen. Yeah. yeah. Which is, I mean, that's pretty incredible. They're still right up near the top of that ranking, Yeah, obviously. Um, Yeah, definitely overperforming. And... With key European runs, like there is a little bit of a sense that oh maybe this is just like Key will start being able to have full time players, which mm-hmm. will make it you know impossible to keep up with them. And there's like some truth to that, but 
in the whole history of the league, it's never really settled on mm. one or two dominant teams, right? Like, yeah, there's always been a couple teams competing. And then Clarksvik and HB are always there, but there's usually a third team or a fourth team even that's yeah fighting for them. Um, so that I think should hold off like Clarksvik's dominance. Just the other teams seem really desperate to catch up, and they're also making strides and making steps. So yeah, unless Clarksvik find themselves like always in the group stage somehow mm-hmm. i really don't see it becoming a super like yeah one team league yeah, yeah. we'll say in their national team wise they have haven't had a good like euro qualifying campaign they've only yeah. got one point against mm-hmm. moldova away lost moldova and the return leg at home yeah um but prior to that in 2022 they're having a great year yeah they, the... they beat turkey in the mm-hmm. nations league they drew Lithuania and That's... Luxembourg, who are really improving, even though they got hammered by Portugal. Mm-hmm. They beat Lithuania uh, in in their home leg. Um, so you know they've been they've actually been getting res- they beat Liechtenstein. So they had a really good twenty twenty two, and a much better Nations League than they're having. Um, you know the Nations. I mean, they were like to even be playing a team like Turkey that had to be in. You know, a decent. <laughs> they're yeah. not in the bot. Rock I think bottom. they're in the the C. Yeah, we can probably check. They must that. have been in the C. Yeah, to pay okay um, teams like that. Um, Nations League. Yes. Yes. C. C. So they didn't come last. They got eight points in a group with Turkey and Luxembourg. Turkey should never be in C. That's embarrassing. That but, really is embarrassing. But Turkey. but to beat Turkey and and you know Luxembourg is really improving as a national team. So I mean those are that's a good achievement even if they haven't had a good qualifying campaign. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, they also got a is Moldova rel- good. Isn't that crazy that Moldova has eight points in Euro qualifying? That is. How did that happen? I'm part of it <laughs> Poland has been so bad. Yeah, <laughs> they beat Poland. Moldova beat Poland. Yeah, whatever. Uh, not the point. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, no. So it's it's it's, it's, it's things are happening for them. Yeah, things and, are happening for them. Yeah, the national team seems like they'll at least stabilize probably around a hundred. Mm-hmm. If not, if they can't, yeah, push they're on, on the upswing. Yeah, in general. Yeah, they'll never really. The better the league gets, the, the more better the, the better the national team will yeah. get. And I doubt we'll ever see a spot where it's like, oh, there's barely a... teams in the Champions League group stage, and the national team is you know in a major in competition. The Euros, no, that's not gonna happen. Just but, from a population yeah, perspective, they can't do in Iceland. Iceland yeah. is still just so much bigger than <laughs> yeah, that's the Faroe like, Islands. Yeah, I mean, we talk about um, like Iceland made a crazy run, and how few people are in Iceland, but mm-hmm. their population is three hundred seventy-two thousand, way bigger. It's way big. It's way seven bigger. times. The they were still the Fair smallest. Na- Iceland was the smallest nation to make the World Cup, right? And mm-hmm. I mean, think about how many times bigger they are than Fair. It's just not realistic. Yeah. So don't get your hopes up that much. Mm-hmm. But that's not what this is about. No, but for their like population and for mm-hmm. the means of the island, it's yeah, really honestly, it's incredible and something that probably we should have been talking about before too. Like uh-huh. they're way overperforming yes, their population. Yeah. So. Really incredible run. Take that San Pocket. Marino. Yeah, seriously. San Marino is underperforming their mm-hmm. population somehow. <laughs> 30,000 people and still underperforming. But, All right, well. Uh, yeah, so I think that kind of wraps up our talk about yeah. Key Clocksvik. I mean, well done. Set up for a really exciting group stage, some winnable games at home, and a chance to go to Lille, who hopefully have a usable stadium after the Rugby World Cup. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that, that, that wraps up our, our club spotlight. I uh, hope you enjoyed David's performance today. Um, and if you're interested in more key, we will be following them throughout this group stage and maybe even beyond. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, tune back in every weekend. 
Cheers to cheers to Key. Cheers to Magna Hosa. Cheers to do Magna Hosa. Yeah, we've done him before. Have we? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. we did. So Miko, Miko Uh Thomason, yeah. yeah. Get that get that Norwegian side promoted. Okay, let's go. You're a beautiful boy. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs>